This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. We'll open the floor to anybody who'd like to say anything. Anybody on Zoom that would like to say anything, feel free as well. One second, I just have to say, we have to thank Shani Rosenberg. Tonight we have like an extended setup and we'll try to do this going forward. We have a special for those of you who are on Zoom or live stream as well. Yeah, okay, like multiple cameras. Just make sure you're not in the second camera um, where you're able to like see the crowd and whatever, everything else. We're changing the world over here. Okay, go ahead. There we go. Don't worry, by the way, you're not going to be on tour anytime. Okay, go ahead. Just take the microphone so everyone can hear. Um, we're brought up at such a young age, like doing these things where we're not capable of like really experiencing it. Right. So like... It's much harder. Like when you see like people who are Balchiva or like who like took it on their own, it's usually they're much more like right. That's the idea, right? Right? Because a Balchuva, you're right. They came to it with their minds, and then their bodies sort of followed through. Whereas the way that we, from people, are raised is really with a level of obedience. If you're obedient, you're a good Jew. And a lot of us just live our whole lives that way. If you're obedient, you're a good Jew. If you're obedient, you're a good Jew. But in reality, there has to become a moment of transformation where you realize that you have, you have an awareness for what you're doing. I remember after I got involved in, in that program, Shabbat Experience, these, these people never saw a from Jew in their life. They were asking a gazillion questions. We were sitting down, we were making like Shabbos for them. So we said, okay, we're going to make Kiddush. What's Kiddush? Why do you make it on grape juice or wine? Do you stand or do you sit? What are you really saying? What, what happened during the six days of creation? Literally, a million and one questions. Oh, you have challah. Why do you have two? Why do you have the thing on the top and the bottom? Why do you have salt? Why do you dip it three times? I'm talking about a million questions, right? And you're like, how many times did I think about these questions? Never. So there's a beauty to those questions, and there's also a beauty of chinuch. And that's why I said that chinuch, in a certain sense, we're all being mechanach. Part of our lives was living our life through the world of, of chinuch. What does that mean? It means we were mechanach to be obedient. And then, as we hit adulthood, I think that the, the transition is not just that you keep doing the same thing, but now you have more of an awareness of what you're actually doing. So you're 100% right is that we, unfortunately, or fortunately, we grow up where obedience is the main thing. So therefore, we don't have to struggle later on to get our minds there. Meaning, to get, I'm sorry, to get our bodies there. We have to struggle just to get our minds there. Whereas somebody who is on their pathway of becoming from has to do both, has to get their minds there as well as their bodies there. It's a struggle. It's not... Take the, take the mic. Like, you could, like... Like, like, a lot of times they're on a much, like they are on a much higher level in the experience. They're more on fire, it seems. Yeah. It's yeah. true. So you're, you're jealous of them? <laughs> you could get there too. It is harder because we're used to just mundane, meaning going through the motions and just doing it. But it's an avayda. It's an avayda that I think any person can get to, any person should get, should get to. But yeah, with that consciousness, you know, Bali Chuba fall into the same, you know, rut that we have also after a while also, right? It becomes, you know, mitzvah it just becomes what you do. So it's, an, it's a challenge for everybody. There's no question about it. But it has to start somewhere. It has to start with something. So this is that time that, you know, that it, it needs to start. You want to pass down the mic? 
Let's turn it on. Like for tefillah and other mitzvahs, we really have to put our mind and make sure that we're, it's in avoda. Let's say, in general in life, if someone has a job or they're going somewhere and their mind's not there, how can they like put themselves there? In a secu- like in a secular sense, you mean? Yeah. So it, it, it's very interesting. When I was going for my CPA exam, let's call it, and when I was going for my master's degree, I remember thinking to myself, "This is like this book is like." is like nothing compared to the amount of information you have to memorize. I don't mean in terms of Kedusha. This is more. But I'm saying in terms of like knowledge, right? Intermediate accounting. It's like two books that are like literally this thick, right? Advanced accounting. It's, it's Chinese written in this big. Okay? And you have to remember this stuff, not just to the point where you know it, but you have to remember the stuff to the point where when they ask you a question on it, which is a trick question, where all four answers make sense it depends on just which way your brain decided to process the information. They all seem right, right? That's, that's the level you have to get to know it on, right? Same thing with medical, right? The medical world and, and law. You know what I'm saying? You know how much information has to be processed? And yet somehow they're able to pass the board, right? They're able to pass all these exams and go on in their lives and, and remember the information. You know why? Because in their brain, this is a burning fire that you have no choice but to internalize. It literally becomes synonymous with them. I'm not practicing medicine. I'm a doctor. I have to know this. When a patient comes in and they have a gunshot wound and there's, there's air escaping from their lungs and they have 17 things going on, I have to be able to diagnose them in a split second and make life or death decisions. I can't start reading through thousands of pages. So because they have that awareness, because you know that, it becomes you become synonymous with your mission, and therefore that becomes who you are. Whereas if you don't really care, you'll just read the information, and the information will just go right through you. So a lot of times, I'm sure you've read a book, and then at the end, I'm like, "Tell me what you read." And you're like, "I don't know." Like you could read the cover, and you could summarize it like in two minutes. You can't remember every story, can't remember every idea, because that book is not you're not reading it as a transformative book. And I remember when I was studying for my exams, thinking to myself, like, my brain is working in a different mode now. It's working in a mode where I must remember this information. I remember, same thing when I was going for smicha, thinking to myself, smicha test is, I, I don't, I'm not equating the two at all, but I'm just saying the smicha test is, is trick halacha questions, right? A million scenarios, and you have to then go paste it together and figure out what the halacha is based on the Gemara, the Rishonim, the Achreinim, that's what you have to do. And then you have to paint the scenario. I remember at the same time thinking to myself, why is it that so much of my life I can't remember? Like the details, the stuff, it's almost like it pla- passes in a blur. And then there's certain things which I'm, I'm viewing the information and it's searing into my brain. And the answer is because you know at that time that I have to become synonymous with this. In order to get smicha, I have to become one with this information. So when someone asks a shayla, it's like, this is, the, this is the answer. When someone, an accountant or a doctor or a lawyer, that's how you have to view it. So it, it does become that way. There's a very famous story. I was going to say it, but it's, it's very famous. I'll say it very quickly. With, with the chsam seifer, very famous story. That the chsam seifer had a friend. They were growing up. And... Um, the Chassam Sefer became the Chassam Sefer, the Pesach of his generation. And his friend became his friend, a nice man, but not the Chassam Sefer. And he once met the Chassam Sefer and he asked him years later, how did you become the Chassam Sefer? I was your Chavrusa. We were very similar. All of a sudden you became the Gadol Adar. 
And he asked him, do you remember one Friday there was a fire in the town? And he said, yeah. And they were describing it. They were both little kids, six or seven years old. And they were describing it. He said, remember the firemen came and everyone was grabbing buckets from the river and they were throwing it on the fire. And remember this guy's house burnt down. And you remember who started it? It was a cow that kicked over a lantern. And he went through the whole story. And he said, yeah, I remember, I remember, I remember. And he goes through the whole story. And Chassam Sefer said to him, that's how I learned every single Taisus. It's seared into my brain like that fire in the town that almost killed the whole town. I got into that mode. The mode is, is that I'm becoming the Gadol Adar. So nobody's stopping me, but the Gadol Adar has to remember every single Taisvist. Gadol Adar has to be able to pask in a Shaila. So he got himself into that mode of becoming synonymous with his, with his mission. It wasn't just like, okay, I learned today. It was like, what did I learn? How did I learn? Right? There's a very, there's a famous clip of Rivaliyashiv getting up at, at like 2 a.m. He would start his day very early. And he would learn, and then he would go to Shachar. So somebody once planted a video camera in his room. And they wanted to see Rivel Yashev sit down and learn. I was in this room. It's like a small room. And he would sit down by the table, and he would learn. And you see Rivel Yashev. He comes in, sits down. Okay? He's up, opens a Gemara, and he starts learning. And it's, it's fascinating to watch a person learn on his own. He's like learning. He goes, oh, Abaya has this kasha. And he goes, okay, so Rava, so what are you answering Abaya? What are you answering him? Oh, so you answer him, and then he reads the next few words. Ah, Abaya, it's a good, it's a good answer, right? So what were you thinking in your kasha? He's talking it through as if it's like three people in the room. There's Abaya and Rava and Revel and they are having a conversation now about what goes on in the Gemara. The Gemara was so real to him, it was so alive to him. You understand? It wasn't that like it was, he went through and he said, okay, I'm the Gadadar, so I have to learn every day. So I learned, okay, what did you learn? I don't know, I'm, I'm learning something now. It was so real to him. I once had the opportunity to meet Rivel Yashev. I was shaking. I came in and I asked, it was Rabbi Frati, who was his, his gabai, his, you know, his, I don't want to call him his shamash. He was like the one who brought in the, the shaila. And we were talking about different stuff. And at one point I, I, I had the chutzpah to ask Rivel Yashev about a certain, a certain question. And he, he like machtavak, he's, no. And I said, but what do you mean? The shach says, you know, and I quoted like the shach. I said, but the shach says, you know, X, Y, and Z. And he, he just went, uh, like nothing. So, so I was a little taken aback. Like, fine. Okay, I'm saying, he, he was the God of Adar. But the shach was the shach. The shach says what he said. So later, I sat down with Rabbi Frati and I asked him. I said, I mentioned the shach. I asked him a question from the shach. And he just went like this with his hand. The shach is the shach. Like, Rav Yashiv is Rav Yashiv. Obviously, he could argue on the shach, the achronim, but like, what was that? So he said, you think he just went like that? He learned that shach over 600 times. He knows that shach klar. He said, the reason he went like this was because your kasha wasn't a good kasha. Because, and then he explained it. He said, even though the shach held this, blah, 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 blah. And he explained the whole thing, like in depth. It wasn't just like machin it was, I'm so clear with what you're saying that your question is not a question. And then it was, I was blown away by that. I was like, maybe I quoted something that he forgot. He was like, I think he forgot the shach. He learned it 600 times. That's how he learned it. It was so real to him. That's what makes him the Gat Aladar. That's what makes the Chassam Seifer the Chassam Seifer. If you become synonymous with what you're learning, with what you're spending your time on, with what you're working at, then you become successful in that. Forget, forget, let's put 
kedusha on the side for just a second. Your question is even in a secular setting. The answer is the same exact thing. If you, if a person goes to their job and they're a shamish, they go in, they clock in, they clock out, you can expect to max out at a certain point in your career. You're not going to get very far. Why? Because you're not synonymous with what you're doing. You're trying to get your paycheck. You know what usually happens to those people? They complain about why they don't make a lot of money, and their whole focus becomes on the money. Oh, I need more money for my family. Oh, I need a raise. Why? Because other people are making more money than me. That becomes their focus. Their focus doesn't become, why do I deserve more money? Because I'm amazing. Because I am the best at my job that anybody is. I bring value to this company. Of course you have to give me a raise. Not even a question. Understand? Let's look at the formula, right? This is the billing. This is what I'm bringing in. Of course they deserve a raise. That person becomes synonymous with their job, right? I'm not saying a person should do that. Or they should, a person should become synonymous with becoming the next one of the imahis. Of course, that's our tafkin in this world. But I'm just saying, somebody's working and they're supporting their family and you want to know how you become su- successful is you don't, you don't do it halfway. You do it 100%. If you're working in, in title insurance, you better know title insurance better than anybody else in your office. Any job you're doing, if, you, if you're doing it as a shamash versus doing it as an evid. I'm not saying you should become indentured to your job. I'm just saying you should do it 200% to the point where you become one with it. Where somebody can wake up in the middle of the night and you just know what it is. We always say, I'm an accountant, I always say that almost everyone who works for us who's successful, some point in the first like six months, they're dreaming about tax returns. They're literally, they're dreaming numbers and depreciation schedules. Like, not, not, we, we don't call it, we call it a dream, not a nightmare. <laughs> they're literally, your brain is working. They wake up, right? I, one person worked for us for many years. She, she, like she would say, like she would come into work and she would say, oh, last night I dreamt about this and this client and I have, like I have to do this for them and that for them. What does that mean? It means there's a dedication to what they're doing. Obviously, I want them to be dedicated to their families more than their job. But when you're at your job, you have to be ded- dedicated. This is not, by the way, I don't think there's a different a, a separation here between Kaidish and Chal. It's really one and the same, right? Meaning when you're working for somebody, you have a chiv to work for that person 100%. If you're working for an hour and you're on your phone for 10 minutes and you're shopping for 20 minutes, and you're, on, you know, you're texting somebody else for 45 minutes and you work for 15 minutes, it's not just that, oh, you're not going to become the best title insurance person or the best accountant. You're a ganav. You know what I'm saying? Straight out. You're, getting, you're charging them for an hour and you're only working for 10 minutes. That's a problem. So a person has a chiv to be thrown into their job 100% to really work the full hour that they're working. But once you're doing it, don't be the person who's working that has no idea what you did. You know what I'm saying? Like we always say, we do tax returns. So somebody will do a return. And then before we even open the return, a lot of times we'll ask them, how much did the person make? I don't know. How do you not know? You, you enter the numbers. No idea. How much tax do they owe? No idea. What does that mean? It means that you're doing it on the level of shimash. That means you're, you're, you're doing it. Your brain is not here. Your brain is listening to a share. Your, your, your brain is, is not here. It's not in this client's tax return. Whereas the successful people, they go, last year this guy made $800,000. This year he made $900,000. Last year he, he, he paid this. This year he did this. Last year's charity was this. They know it. Like this. They know their clients. He had a baby. He moved. He bought a new house. He invested in this. They know it. They're living it. It becomes real. Those people will become successful. But the people have no idea what happened, and I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know means I'm not in this job. I'm not really processing what's going on right under my nose. My own brain 
doesn't know what my hands are doing? I think this is such an important question. It's not just in tefillah. It's not just in, in anything. It's in everything that we do. Right? You could go through your whole day and somebody say, what did you work on yesterday? I don't know. What did you work on today? I don't know. But you did it for 10 hours. How do you not know? Because we just want the paycheck. You know what I'm saying? We just want the obedience. We just want to clock in, clock out. And that's, it's a level. But it's not like, it's not the ultimate level. Right? Somebody has a question there? Go ahead. Um, is it better for a person to first physically do the actions mindlessly and eventually get the feeling of experiencing it with their mind or to first work on the mindset and only once we feel it to do the actions? It's a good question. I think a person has to be obedient. <laughs> so the end of the day is, you know, a person should do the action and, and, and that should be the action. And I would say that there's probably different levels within the world of doing the action, which will ultimately get them to that higher level. So meaning if a person's waiting till their brain is so there before they execute, they're making a big mistake because then you're not going to be accomplishing a lot of things in your life. So I would say a person should do whatever it is that they need to do. Make sure you're doing it well. And then try to increase like raise your mind and then it will raise your action rather than getting your mind here and then starting with the action. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think a person, I, I think that's clear. Right? You agree? hundred percent. So what's a good way to identify why you wouldn't bring something? Like even if you want to. Like what's stuck? Like what's, what's stopping you? Whether it's with religion, Jewish thing, secular, anything, anything right. in your life. I don't know. I want to read that book and I just push it off. Right. Like procrastination, or even you want to like it's such a good thing you really wanted. You want to visit that person. I should really call this person more. I should really do this thing more. Whether it's a mitzvah, whether it's just a thing in your life, and I just what's what is? I'm just curious. What's that thing? That's what's that thing that's stopping right. you? I think our person, even if someone's type A, type B, like we all have those things that it's like, right, you speak to people and they're like, I should really be doing this. Right. And they really are passionate about it, but like, how do you push it to us? At the end of the day, it doesn't actually carry through. I, I think it's such a good question. I think that different people have different mental blocks as to why they don't do different things, right? It could be different fears. It could be different traumas. There's no question that there's no, there's no one answer that answers that question. But I think that a good way for a person in a general sense to do that is if they attach a value to whatever it is that they want to accomplish, that is, that is their inherent value. And what I mean by that is a lot of times I'll give you an example. I always use this example. If somebody needs to fit into a new suit for a wedding, let's use that that muscle, they will usually lose the weight that they need, right? Because it's not just that they need they need to lose weight, it's that there's almost maybe a sense of vanity that's playing meaning it's not altruistic necessarily, right? But they're they're attaching a value which might be vanity, but they're using the vanity in a way to help motivate them to actually take it down from from Machshava to Asiya, right? That makes sense? Now, in the perfect world, that person's value would be health, right? And that would be the thing that would motivate them. But more often than not, most people, that is not their primary value. So that's why most people eat foods that they shouldn't eat and don't exercise the way that they should. They don't really take care of their health the way that they need to. And most people recognize that. So therefore, they say to themselves, I need to lose weight. Why? I got to get healthy. Yeah, but that's not going to happen. Because that's, that's usually not your primary 
motive, like that's not your primary motive, like motivating factor. It's not your primary value. It's usually not going to happen. But by attaching something differently to it, it might be money, it might be vanity, it might be something else. Then oftentimes you'll 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 see transformation. A lot of times when it comes, let's say, to health, somebody gets a health scare, and then that's what they say. Okay, ad can. Like all the thing that was up here, now it's going to become reality. But sometimes the best way to do it is to attach something else. So it might be a monetary reward or punishment in order to get the person to do that. A lot of times you see that that works. You know? Just that I'm thinking about the examples, like for sure for them, for things not to do with the other for sure that makes sense. Like I should do that really, you know, to, you know, make more money, to, let's say, lose more weight. But how do you connect that spiritually? Like I should really dive in better because I'm going to get schar, but it's a very hard thing, let's say, to right. imagine. How do you, what's a, like a, it's like vanity, what's like a physical pleasure you could attach to a spiritual thing instead of a spiritual pleasure? It's a good question. I, it, I, I think I may have said this before. I'll repeat it. I remember when I was in ninth grade, 10th grade, Coming out of ninth grade into tenth grade, I had a hard time getting up in the morning. It was hard for me, right? And somebody offered me a job to be like the monitor at a minion in the yeshiva for like younger bachrim, like sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, and they were going to pay me. And I was like, "Ooh, money!" Right? I was all excited about making forty dollars a month, and no jokes, right? So it was like basically two two dollars a tila. And I, I remember attaching that motivation, even though it wasn't a ton of money, but it was, it was the concept of like earning and making the money to this action. And then in the summer, I almost backed out because I was thinking to myself, hold on, maybe I made a mistake because I really should be davening because I want to daven, right? I should go to Minion because I have to go to Minion. I shouldn't be going to Minion for $40 a month. That's nothing, right? I'm selling away my Elam Haba for $2 a tefillah. That's terrible. And I remember I sat down with somebody, one of the Rebbeim, Whatever, and he said, "No, absolutely not. You sh- you for sure should do it. Meaning, you you've unlocked the secret code in life, which is that if you want to achieve something, he said, if you if that's your mentality, you'll miss the whole year. You, you you'll keep getting up late and struggling, right? Basically, or reward yourself, right? You want to you want an expensive coat, you want expensive shoes, you want something. Okay, if you if for the next ninety days you do this, then reward yourself. You know what I'm saying? It, it, yeah, it does. It does work. You know what I'm saying. You reward yourself, and then you're able to, you know, to actually bring about change. It's not a bad way. What? No, it's not a gashmius thing to do that. It's a ruchnius thing to do that. You're rewarding yourself. That code is kaidish kadasha. <laughs> One more question. Okay. How can you be in the moment when so many things are going on, like work, housewife, and just personal? Yeah. I, it's a, such a good question. I think that probably um, the number one challenge of today's generation, in a general sense, is distraction. Because we used to live in much simpler times. If somebody came home, their work was at work, and they were at home. And today, there's no such thing, especially if you're connected to any sort of device that's connected to anything else, you're just, you're always on. There's always so much going on, right? I get people texting me and calling me at one, two o'clock in the morning. I'm like, two o'clock in the morning. Like, am I expected to really answer the phone right now? And they're like, oh, why not? Like, you would never, 
25 years ago, you'd never call someone's house at 2 o'clock in the morning, right? Now it's like, no, no, your house is your house, but like your cell phone is probably on, and if you're up, you'll pick up the phone and you'll answer. We live in a world where we're so connected that we're disconnected. That's the reality that we live in today. And in order for a person to do that, you know, I think it takes a lot of mindfulness, like being in the moment. You know, one of the things that I found when we went through the journey to journey of Midos, to Midos, I always forget what we're going to and what we're doing of, but journey of Midos was Seder. How Seder, the Mida of Seder, is that everything has its time and its place. And essentially what that means is that whatever you're working on now is what you're working on. So it, it we're in a world where people are very successful and they're able to multitask, but oftentimes you're multitasking, you're doing 10 things, but your brain is in zero of them. So at the end of the day, you, yes, you did do homework with your kid, but you have no idea that you did it. He doesn't remember that you did it or that you signed, right? And yes, you did make supper for your husband, but you don't remember eating with him. And at the same time, you answered six emails for your boss, and you have no idea what those emails said. So your brain is in 14 places, and you successfully did everything you needed to do. But at the end of the day, you really become like, like, like a slave, like where your body is being pulled and your mind is being pulled but you're not really in control. And I would say that a good way to do it is to make your days memorable and ex- experiential. Like experience your days, experience your job, experience your children. You know, you're pushing your kid on, this, on, on, on a swing, put your phone away for two minutes. You know what I mean? You're talking to your spouse, you're talking to your mother, you're talking to your friend. Like be in the moment, like be in the zone for like a little bit of time. So it is very hard because we have so many obligations. We almost have like... 40 hours of obligations that we're cramming into 24 hours. So it's, 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 it's very hard. But a person who, you know, who's able to put those things aside, they'll actually live a much more rewarding life. I don't know about you. I think women are better at multitasking. I find when there's so many things going on, I just, I can't. Like, it's, it's too much. So I just say, yeah, I'm done. And I, I give it to someone else, and then they handle, they handle, they handle my problems. You know, they feed it to me one at a time. No, I do think that it's, it really is a struggle. It's a struggle today. To, to, to get through the day and to live your lives in a way that's really meaningful. Because like during davening, your phone is buzzing and during work, your phone is buzzing. There's always so much going on. I'm not, I'm not hating on technology. I think technology is a tool that everybody has to use responsibly. But within our lives, a lot of times you find that you're pulled from here to there and it'll be much wiser to like live in the moment. So with all those responsibilities, pat yourself on the back. If you're living within the world of, of obedience, meaning you're, you're, checking the boxes of all the things you need to do. But if, if you actually start living each one of those things, it'll be a lot more. If a, if a husband's learning with his son and he could later on say, oh, we're learning this together, it's meaningful. Your son asks you a question, you'll, you know what he's talking about as opposed to just doing it. I mean, like, I don't know what's going on. If your boss asks you a question, you have no idea what's going on. You're probably living in the world of obedience. That means you're clocking in, you're clocking out, and you're asking somebody to pay you for that, which is fine. But if you want to really like high level, you, you, when your boss asks you a question, you say, no, but if you would do this, then this would be different. If our client would do that, I had a hop last night, I was thinking about this client, if you did this, that, that shows that you're in it, you're really in it. And when we work for the ultimate boss, it's the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Our davening, our learning, our chesed, our emotions, it's all part of the same packet that we could either be on the level of obedience, which is shimosh, or we could be on the level of avadim. Sounds bad, but it's a journey. It's a journey of transformation. It's how you become the Gadol Adar. It's how you become the best accountant. It's how you become the best mother. You live in the moment. You do what you need to do. The people around you will feel it because it actually is real. And if you don't, you'll live your whole life and you'll wait for life to start. You know what I'm saying? You're like waiting for everything to calm down. How often do you hear people say, I'm waiting for, I say this all the time, you know, I'm waiting for things to calm down. And then, 
and then what? And you know what I'm saying? It, 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 at the moments when you're going through whatever it is, you have to you have to slow things down, do things at your own pace. That is the meat of seder, of doing things at a pace that you're in the moment and you're living each day to its fullest. If you don't do that, your whole life will pass you by, and you won't even you won't, won't even realize that. You'll realize when you're 100 years old that you somehow davened all those filas, met all those people, had all those relationships, but not one thing is actually memorable, except for the things that distracted you from those things. You know what I'm saying? Like the Instagram or the baseball game or the, the concert or whatever, the things that like were your distraction from actually life. Life is very amazing. It's very exciting. If you actually take the time to live it and be aware of what's going on and, and live your things that give you life, live those moments... Let your brain elevate your whole body, your arms. All your bones are screaming out, I'm living life with meaning and with purpose. Then your life is rewarding. But when you just go through the motions and you just do what you need to do every single day and you collapse into bed and you can't remember one thing that you did, that just means you're, lo- you're living a lower level life. Greatness is living high, being great, being big, as Robert Berkowitz would say. Be big. Being big means that you're living a life of consciousness, of awareness, and that at the end of the day, you can lay, lay in bed and make a chajbet and and go through your day, what you did, who you worked on, who you spoke to, how you felt. That's living life gahibin. That's a higher level life. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.